and welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. Today I'm joined by Dr Rob Calder, who is the Deputy Web Editor for the Society for the Study of Addiction and has also been editing the Addiction News part of the Addiction Journal website, which, if you haven't checked out recently, has been recently updated and I strongly recommend you going and having a look. So Rob, do you want to tell us a bit about what Addiction News is? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So uh, what we do at Addiction News is we um, we tend to scour the internet for uh, for news stories related to addiction. I mean, it's kind of almost what you see is what you get. But we do this as something slightly separate to the research reports that you get out. So we, we, we actually exclude things that come from studies from published uh, articles from peer-reviewed journals. And we just look at reporting uh, policy changes, uh, changes in drug use, um, and it covers all sorts of things uh, globally from policy changes like people uh, legalising cannabis uh, or uh, placing extra restrictions on things to uh, the opioid crisis, obviously, in, in, in North America to uh, tobacco farming and cultivation. Um, there's lots of impacts on that in uh, African countries, um, lots of drug trafficking from South America. These are kind of these things go all all around, so it's a real it's a real mixed bag of uh, of news from around the globe around uh, based on based on addiction, all all drugs, all substances, um, and there, there's two of us. So um, uh, Caroline Getty does uh, a lot of the uh, screening as well, so we get a whole load of information. We just look look through the whole internet every week um, and upload somewhere between uh, ten and fifteen stories um, that have that have come up that week, uh, depending on how much news is happening and at the moment i think there's obviously a lot of news is happening a lot around the coronavirus and covid19 and actually that's quite relevant to uh, recreational drugs of many kinds and addiction so the reason that i've invited you on the podcast today is because i think it'd be really interesting to have a discussion about what you're noticing when you're going through these articles and compiling addiction news how is covid affecting drugs and addiction yeah i mean it's been it's been a really fascinating time to be to be scouring the news for this really it's it's been frustrating to screen because a lot of our search tools use um drugs as a key search term obviously and there's lots of things on coronavirus drugs which are nothing to do with addiction but one of the main changes the main changes have really been around alcohol and tobacco and policy responses to to those two substances so I think with alcohol, it's been really fascinating because there's been a lot of companies that have banned alcohol, that have banned alcohol sales, that have restricted them. Obviously, um, you know, I'm speaking from the UK where uh, pubs and bars and restaurants that would serve alcohol have closed. So everyone's drinking has moved home uh, or to home settings. But yeah, in, in some countries, they've uh, completely banned alcohol. Um, and for quite an interesting um, selection of reasons as well. So some have banned alcohol because of kind of crowd management reasons. So it's like, you know, we're banning alcohol to stop people gathering and becoming unmanageable. Others have banned alcohol because it's harder to enforce like the two metre rule because um, people's judgment uh, when intoxicated isn't isn't perhaps quite as good as it would be when they were sober. Early on in Hong Kong, uh, bars were banned early because of the necessity to remove your face mask in order to have a drink and that exposed people to potential coronavirus uh, infection. There was, uh, I think, the capital city of Greenland uh, banned alcohol temporarily when it saw a rise in um, alcohol-related abuse towards children. And so it was a very different reason for, for kind of making that policy change. And obviously in the UK, we had this 
peculiar situation where um, off-licenses were determined to be essential services. And I think it, it, it poses lots and lots of very interesting questions because for some people who are dependent on alcohol, there is an essential element to that to that service. Um, and, and yet for a country to, to determine that as essential then has odd implications for how people approach, uh, approach alcohol during lockdown. Um, so that's been really interesting. Where places were banning alcohol, was that banning the sale of alcohol or banning the consumption of alcohol? Uh, yeah, so mostly it was um, sales of alcohol and it was the same with places that banned tobacco. They banned sales of tobacco. Some local places, uh, localised places, I think in uh, India, actually banned consumption of, of alcohol. And again, that, that ban of the sale of alcohol has kind of quite... It's got consequences that we're very used to. So in Sri Lanka, uh, following the ban of um, alcohol sales, there's this massive uh, increase in people making moonshine or uh, illicit distilleries in their houses. And it was particularly compounded by the fact that the Sri Lankan authorities weren't able to audit, test, find these places because a lot of their enforcement staff were off sick or were socially isolating. And in order to go into someone's kitchen to determine whether they've got a distillery, you had to break social distancing rules. So there was a real difficulty with this. Um, and then also compounded with uh, the potential for illicit alcohol to well, to be fatal, really. Um, in I think it was in Iran, there was a, a, a moment when 700 people died from methanol uh, consumption following reports that um, industrial alcohol could cure COVID-19. Um, and so there's this real kind of you know, this, this replication of you ban things because you want to restrict people's availability to them, but then those consequences of, of illicit trades. And we've seen that in tobacco as well, the, the the rise in illicit trade of tobacco when people are put in these restrictions. Yeah, so that brings us nicely on to tobacco. What are some of the impacts that COVID is having on tobacco policy around the world? So Botswana and India banned sales and uh, one of the states in, in India banned public use of tobacco. And particularly with that state, that was related to uh, gutka um, because there's a lot of spitting associated with that tobacco product. So there was a kind of a, a very specific cultural reason for that to be banned in public. So there's there have been these bans. And so this has partially been about social gathering. Um, it's partly been about the health effects of uh, tobacco because obviously there's this respiratory element to uh, COVID-19. And again, particularly with Botswana, the government said, look, this is because of evidence of harm. So people who um, who smoke have greater incidences of, of lung disorders and are therefore at a greater risk of developing severe symptoms from COVID-19. And again, it just raises the question, you know, is, it, it's not new information that tobacco and smoking is harmful. If, if people continue smoking, it kills one in every two of them. Um, and yet this very, very uh, focused uh, health crisis has kind of brought about these policy interventions that that people wouldn't think of otherwise. People people don't think of banning tobacco because it kills so many people, but because it raises the risk of dying from coronavirus, some governments have then have then banned it, which I think is really interesting from a policy perspective. So we're seeing lots of places banning alcohol and tobacco sales. Is there any indication from any of these news articles about how long these bans might be in place? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's one of those things. It's a, it's a bit like everything at the moment. People are making vague indications about what's going to happen in the future, but um, but kind of specifics are pretty hard to come by. One was quite interesting uh, story that, that we found on around the 9th of June, at the beginning of June, that the Delhi state government has imposed a, an enormous tax, a 70% tax on 
uh, alcohol sales and they've called it a corona fee. Um, and it's to try and stop massive queues of people buying alcohol because um, for six weeks no one was able to buy alcohol. And then as lockdown opened up and uh, alcohol sales were allowed, there were just these enormous queues that were then um, preventing people from socially isolating and increasing the spread of, of coronavirus. So I think there's kind of, once you've banned something and you're then reintroducing it, there are, there are some quite difficult decisions to make about how that happens and i know that in uh, new zealand for example many bars have have a system where you either sign in or you use a qr code on a, a kind of track and trace style app um, to make sure that people know who's been in a bar so that uh, pockets of coronavirus can be detected it's one of those things isn't it banning something is relatively as straightforward or certainly simple in policy terms but then reintroducing it can can then become quite a thorny issue so it's going to be something to watch for in the future, potentially. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens as we start to move out of lockdown and as, yeah, things start to... I don't really think they're going to go back to normal anytime soon, but, you know, as, thing, as things start to change, yeah. what, what will happen with these policies? So it's a kind of watch this space. Yeah, and I think... And I think alongside that, there's been things like uh, New York City banned flavoured vaping products. And that was kind of something that they'd been talking about, or that certainly the mayor had been talking about for some time. And I don't want to be too cynical about this, <laughs> but it was one of those things that with a reduced uh, local government, uh, they were able to kind of push through this legislation as part of a whole load of health measures for coronavirus. And so some of these things that would have perhaps taken longer to get through have gone through a lot quicker with coronavirus. Um, And it will be interesting to see, like you say, whether and if some of those things get backtracked. At what point as a country do you decide that you are now going to make tobacco almost the most harmful consumer product that, that exists? suddenly you're going to make that legal for your population. That's a weird decision in the way that banning it isn't. Yeah, so I think it'll be really interesting. Okay, so moving away from policy now, are there any other um, addiction stories that you're seeing related to COVID? There's some very interesting things around treatment. There's some very interesting things around opiates um, and cocaine. So at the SSA, we talked to Owen Bowden-Jones quite early on uh, during uh, the pandemic. And he was talking about... Um, the difficulties of the likelihood is that as ports are closed and as distribution gets more difficult, that we will see purity uh, decrease in drugs um, and that when lockdown eases, we will see purity go up and there's that danger then of, of overdoses. And that's something that, that certainly we need to keep an eye on. And globally, there's some some really interesting things. So in, in Afghanistan, they've they've struggled to find people to pick poppies pick the opium poppies because people have been self-isolating people have been into lockdown so they're having similar kind of agriculture problems that that lots of other countries are seeing but theirs is related to their opium harvest which is then going to have a knock-on consequences to what's available in other countries it always does and with this reduced drug supply you then see kind of increases in people accessing treatment certainly temporarily um and I think that's that's been really interesting. We also had a, a, a fascinating blog by uh, Ben Horton, who's a PhD student who's also working in the field. And he was saying that, look, you know, we spend all our time talking to uh, service users in addiction treatment centres, telling them not to isolate, to get in touch, to maintain their one-to-one meetings, to go to group therapies. And, and overnight, they've had to reverse all of that 
advice to stay at home, isolate, don't come in contact with people. And there's been some really innovative things. So certainly in Scotland, there's been some situations where methadone deliveries have been enabled. So volunteers can pick up prescriptions and then deliver them to people who are vulnerable and and isolating. And certainly, again, when you look at the relationship between respiratory disorders and opiates, that you're going to have a lot of very vulnerable people who will struggle to get that medication. And then there's been some very interesting stuff around uh, safer injecting sites, particularly in Canada, have done some some fascinating work around in Vancouver they set up a system of digital spotters where if you're injecting heroin or or opiates that instead of going to a safer injecting facility you can have someone watch you do it online like FaceTime like a Microsoft Teams meeting so that they can check that you are that you are okay that you haven't overdosed and so to still maintain that observation without having to um, breach social social distancing guidelines so there's been some really innovative approaches and on the flip side of that, you have uh, police forces in Texas and Indiana in the US um, where they were advised to stop carrying naloxone. And if they found people who were overdosing, that they should not deliver um, emergency medical treatment, but that they should stay two metres away until uh, ambulances arrive. And so there's this real kind of difference between some places that are trying really, really hard to um, protect uh, vulnerable people who use drugs and these other places that are really... Um, taking measures that increase the risks of, uh, of fatalities uh, from, from drug overdoses. Uh, so again, it, it's quite depressing in places, but it's, it's fascinating to, to, to watch. And are there any other um, stories around other topics that have particularly caught your eye? Yeah, so, so there, was, there was one story um, that really caught my eye, which was about uh, there's a, a monitoring programme in New York where uh, people who are vulnerable to overdose, uh, people who use drugs who are vulnerable to overdose, wear a wristwatch which monitors um, vital signs, um, pulse, um, oxygen levels, all those, those medical things that I'm not qualified to uh, pronounce uh, correctly. And this, in, during COVID-19, has been appropriated to monitor COVID-19 patients who are well enough to go back, but who are still vulnerable. Because what, what they don't want is hospitals full of people um, who actually could be somewhere safer and, and could be self-isolating. So they've appropriated this watch that was des- developed for opioid injectors. And that's now being used, or, or certainly trialled, for helping treat people with COVID-19, which I thought was really interesting, kind of borrowing uh, innovation from one section to another. I think some of the other stories that have really caught my eye in the last, uh, what is it, 10 weeks now, um, start to lose count, are some of the things that that aren't related to COVID-19. A lot of these things continue anyway, so they do continue, but at the same time, there's there are things that we shouldn't lose sight of whilst we're all looking at obsessively at, at coronavirus. There were a lot of um, lawsuits in North America around the opioid pandemic, um, or the opioid epidemic, sorry, I've just upgraded everything to pandemics now. The opioid epidemic, where Purdue and Sackler were undergoing several enormous lawsuits, and they've all been put on hold because convening uh, courts, unless it's an emergency, goes against those, um, those situations. Um, and then there's, there's Mexico's process of uh, legalising cannabis, which has been delayed again. Um, and it's, it's one of those things when I started doing Addiction News, which is about um, a year and a half now, I thought, oh, Mexico is going to legalise cannabis relatively soon. I'll keep an eye on that story. And I'm still keeping an eye on that story. And it has been, it has been extended one more time. I also think there are some dreadful stories, really, that are that continue. So in Australia, there's uh, a court case around police strip searching under 18 year olds at festivals. Um, and that story uh, continues. And it was found that it was unlawful. But the, the finding of that court was that 
uh, no police. There was no police action taken against those officers. Um, and there's there's now a class action lawsuit that's being proposed for these these situations where 15 and 16 year olds were strip searched without their parents' presence going into festivals. It's a it's 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 a it's an awful uh, chapter in um, Australian drug policing history. Um, but that's still going on, and I don't think we should lose focus on some of these stories. There was a report out about the Philippines about human rights abuses in the Philippines. They're ongoing. People are still being uh, killed. Um, executed in the Philippines for being suspected drug users and there are also real high level concerns about uh, human rights abuses in uh, in Cambodia around a drug war that's waging there and a report put out just this week about Mexico um, on torture so half of the torture they estimated that's been reported in Mexico um, is being done by military personnel who have been sent out in this uh, kind of war on drugs that was started 15 years ago. And only 1% of those cases have been brought to any kind of conclusion or, or trial. So there's there are a lot of very horrific situations really happening globally that do come up on the news. And it's it's important that we, we look at coronavirus and COVID-19 um, and how that's affecting people. Um, but, but it's also important not to take an eye off some of those other topics that that, that warrants our attention. So if people want to look in further detail at any of the stories that you've mentioned today, where should they go? If people want to look at it, they can go to addictionjournal.org forward slash newsroom forward slash news. Uh, it's fairly easy to navigate to if you just go to the front page. Um, and there's a, you can search by continent, by substance and by news type. And we're hoping to make that a little bit better. Um, uh, but there's also a text search. So if you type in uh, COVID-19, which is how we've been referring to coronavirus in the news, um, if you type in COVID-19 into that search bar, it will bring you up everything that that is related to COVID-19 in the last um, in the last 10 or 12 weeks. But at the same time, if you want to search for um, stories about opioids in Asia and policy, you can put those things in. It will bring you up those stories. So it's, it's becoming a, quite a big uh, resource. And one of the really interesting things, sorry, I meant to say this earlier, um, particularly with Sri Lanka, is that we had this story about an increase in um, moonshine production. And then the very next week, there were official figures that came out saying that alcohol use had gone down because they'd stopped selling alcohol. Um, So we get quite a lot of this where, because we're news um, and we're not a peer-reviewed article, we can actually um, report quite contradictory stories uh, because you have governments, you have official responses saying one thing, you then have reports or surveys that say another thing. And actually sometimes weighing those two things against each other can give you a a much better picture of what's happening in these places. So it's quite nice that uh, we contradict ourselves quite routinely. And you're updating it weekly, is that right? Very regularly. Yeah, so it usually goes goes up... um, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, there's usually uh, 10 or 15 stories. We tweet uh, the SSA and Addiction Journal um, and I uh, tweet about it whenever they're out. Um, but yeah, they go they go up uh, weekly. There's also at the top of it, at the top of that page is the Addiction Journal bibliography, which um, is a weekly updated search for research reports related uh, to coronavirus and that that's broken down by different substances that's an amazing resource for people wanting to understand uh, what's been happening in the research world um, about coronavirus and then there's obviously the the news about what's been happening in kind of policy and uh, journalism around coronavirus at the same time.
Excellent. Well, we'll put links to all of those things in the podcast notes. There'll also be links to the SSA posts that you've mentioned throughout the podcast. So I think that about wraps it up. So Rob Corder, thank you so much for your time. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.